Welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry. Keep the Faith brings you timely messages with in-depth spiritual analysis of current events in light of Bible prophecy so you can prepare for the coming of Jesus. Listen to what the news won't tell you. Here is another important message for our times. This is Pastor Hal Mayer. Welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry. Thank you for joining me today as we look at the dramatic unfolding events taking place in Europe and their prophetic implications. Our times are more compelling than ever, and as we near the close of probation and the second coming of Jesus in the clouds of glory, we need more than ever to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith of Jesus. I pray that you are in Christ every day and you are drawing closer and closer to Him as you experience His power in your life. Before we begin, I'd like to thank you for your prayers and support. It really means a lot to us. Keep the Faith is a ministry that operates on faith. And as our work has expanded to Australia and other parts of Oceania, I am more than ever a witness to the way the Lord has continued to sustain His work. But God uses you. He uses you as a partner with us to fulfill His plans and step through the doors that He opens. So it's with a humble heart that I say thanks. Check out our new web store. From the Keep the Faith web store, you can order sermons or music CDs, books, and Keep the Faith for Kids programs in singles or in quantity. It's not difficult to use. Also, it is subscription renewal time. The last time was three years ago. Fill in the yellow card and return it to us so that you don't have to have an interruption in your monthly CDs. As you know, our subscriptions are not the usual kind. They are free of charge and without obligation, and we don't use sophisticated and expensive software to keep track of expiration dates and send out renewals when each one comes due. We just do it all at once every two or three years. That's simple. And that way, we stop sending CDs to those who aren't interested or, or who don't want them. After all, we don't want to waste God's money. So please send in your renewal card for your free subscription for the next couple of years. And if you wish to send a special gift for Keep the Faith or Highwood along with it, I can assure you it will be used wisely and carefully. Now let us ask God's presence as we begin this month's timely message. If you can, bow your head with me. Our Heavenly Father, your love is so wonderful and your power is so awesome. Your grace is so abundant. Please send your Holy Spirit to speak to us and teach us what we need to know about the times in which we live. We want your strength to become ours in the battle with sin. We pray that you will so fully infuse us with your Holy Spirit that Satan will be banished from our hearts and find nothing with which to attract us. May your presence be with us as we study today. In Jesus' name, amen. To begin, please turn with me in your Bibles and read along with me, if you can, from Daniel 8, verses 23 to 25. Daniel 8, verses 23 to 25. These verses are perplexing to many people, but we don't have to be in darkness. God has put them in His Word for us to understand. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up, and his power shall be mighty, 
but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper and practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. These verses refer to the final effort of the beast power to overcome the saints of God and bring in a dictatorship that will end in disaster. It is referring to the papal power, which will surprise most people as she rises to unprecedented global dominance. A great struggle is being played out for the soul of Europe right now as the economic crisis grinds on and even deepens. But let us understand the big picture. If ever the Vatican is going to recover the Holy Roman Empire and be able to impose a global religion as described in Revelation 13 verse 8, which says that all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, there must be a global system of political, economic, and military support to manage and enforce it. This would include economic sanctions, persecution, and even death for those who don't go along with the global worship laws. That's what Revelation 13 says. It involves a colossal global coalition arrayed against God's law. However, many world leaders don't understand what the Bible teaches is going to happen. They have their own reasons for pushing a one-world government. Perhaps they view their work as in the best interests of all humanity. But more likely, in reality, their ambitions to bring the world under the control of a few people are what is really driving their uh, plans. They have to spin it as a humanitarian thing in order for it to be accepted. Then, when a crisis arises, a serious crisis, the people and their leaders will look to their religious leaders, and in particular, they'll look to Rome for guidance. Notice what happens. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation 17, verse 12 and 13. Revelation 17, verse 12 and 13. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind, and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. In essence... What this is saying is that at the very time that it looks like globalism is going to reach its political and economic mountaintop, these kings, or world leaders, surprisingly use their authority to support a global religion too. They give their power and strength to the Pope, and they support him in his plans to impose universal worship as a means to overcome the crisis. Listen to this interesting statement from Selected Messages, Volume 3, page 392 and 393. There will be a universal bond of union, one great harmony, a confederacy of Satan's forces. That hardly seems possible today. Yet this is what will happen. It is certain to happen because that's what the Bible tells us will happen. And God's word cannot fail. And by giving their power and strength to the beast, they are uniting in the same spirit that oppressed the followers of Jesus during the Dark Ages. Then we read the following. In the warfare to be waged in the last days, there will be united in opposition to God's people 
all the corrupt powers that have apostatized from allegiance to the law of Jehovah. In this warfare, the Sabbath of the fourth commandment will be the great point at issue. For in the Sabbath commandment, the great lawgiver identifies himself as the creator of the heavens and the earth. What many don't realize is that silently, stealthily, and unsuspectedly, there is a power that is waiting in the wings to hijack their worldwide plan. They have their ambitions on centralizing power under their own plans and leadership, but most of them probably don't realize that their plans will become subject to the plans and manipulations of another. This power is cooperating with them in their agenda to merge the governments of this world into one super-government, a super-state that will rule everything in the new world order. But the papacy waits patiently, quietly, ever improving every opportunity to strengthen herself by networking with world leaders to support them in their vision of world governance. It is all in Rome's interest to do so, because when the time is right, Rome will step in and control it all. How can a faithful few people, loyal to God's commandments, survive against this mighty foe, this grand union? Friends, God knows how to protect his people. He has to permit Satan to build his grand coalition so that everyone will see his real character and make informed choices. But as satanic power is increased, God also increases the power of his Holy Spirit in the lives of his followers. Here's the good news. Look at Revelation 17, verse 14. Revelation 17, verse 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Oh, friends, I want to be among the faithful, don't you? I want to be among those who are with the Lamb when he overcomes these wicked powers. I want to overcome the devil and his last day coalition. Satan is building this massive coalition right now. You have no time to lose to get with the Lamb of God that takes away your sins and gives you power over the devil and his co-conspirators. Don't wait. Leave your sins and come to Christ. Surrender yourself to him completely today so he can pour out his Holy Spirit on you. Before the rest of the world can come under global rule overseen by the papacy, Europe must be brought to heel. Europe was once under papal dominion, but the Reformation changed that. Then the French Revolution changed Europe again by making it secular. Today's developments in Europe illustrate what is planned for the whole world. Europe is struggling with serious economic problems, and there is turmoil and riots in the streets in some places. The European Central Bank has to keep bailing out one country after another, The pain for many citizens is excruciating, and they get poorer every day. It's actually very interesting to watch. Ireland said several years ago that it didn't need a financial bailout, but within a short time, they were forced to accept economic help. When Greece said that they did not need a bailout, the next thing you know, Greece was before the European Central Bank with its handout. Then Portugal said they didn't need a bailout. Sure enough, within days of the Prime Minister making that statement, Portugal took an infusion of cash to prevent it from collapsing. And then more recently, Spain said they would not need a bailout. 
But I've noticed that whenever national leaders say they don't need a bailout, that is the surest sign that a financial rescue package is on its way. And true to form, under massive pressure, especially from Germany, Spain swallowed its pride and requested support to prop up its banks and economy. They got up to 100 million, sorry, 100 billion euros, which is $125 billion in U.S. funds, the funds were only for recapitalizing Spain's ailing banks, but it could get worse by the time you hear this message. But once Spain got its limited bailout, the focus of the markets turned to Italy, and as you might expect, Prime Minister Mario Monti has denied that his country will ask for an EU bailout, wrote Spiegel online. But optimism about Italy's future is in short supply. Italy's borrowing costs went up to 6.3%, and political leaders are now criticizing Monty's actions. Markets are brutal. They don't care about humanitarian things. They only care about money. They want to find a secure place to invest. When governments can't borrow money at cheap prices, they lose their ability to pay their debts. And when the markets realize that they are going to have trouble, they demand more interest, and the cycle gets worse and worse. But these problems did not arise by chance. They, are, they were planned and orchestrated for one specific purpose. We have documented this in previous sermons, but I will give you just one example of the advanced knowledge that some Eurocrats had about the crisis we are in now. In 2007, Bernard Connolly wrote in the UK Telegraph that Alan Greenspan did not set up this Greek tragedy. In contrast, the EU quite deliberately created the most dangerous credit bubble of all, the EMU, that's the Economic Monetary Union, or the Euro. Then he said, And whereas the mission of the Fed is to avoid a financial crisis... The mission of the European Central Bank is to provoke one. The purpose of the crisis will be, as Romano Prati, then Commission President, said in 2002, to allow the EU to take more power for itself. Romano Prati is a European Union insider. He was once the Prime Minister of Italy. He was once part of the G7, which is the Economic Council of Leaders of the seven largest economies of the world, and when he made that statement, which was six years before the U.S. crisis in 2008, he was then the president of the European Commission. Prati is an insider. He knew what was going to happen before it did. They were planning it while he was involved. The ECB could have done something to prevent the Greek crisis by limiting Greek borrowing, for instance. But instead, they let Greece go wild with borrowing and simply funded any request they had. Romano knew it was planned, and he knew why, so that European institutions could take more power to themselves. The economies of the Roman Catholic nations of Europe, like Ireland, Portugal, Spain, and Italy, will not be permitted to collapse. But more importantly, the crisis was set up so that the rest of the EU could support these Roman Catholic nations. By contrast, Greece, an orthodox nation, is being picked clean by the European, Russian, and Chinese vultures. As you can see, there were those who knew what was going on and were prepared to let it happen so that those leading the European institutions based in Brussels 
could justify taking more dictatorial power to themselves. And while some argue that the European project is doomed to failure, the Bible reveals that a central and dictatory power will become dominant, not only in Europe, but all over the world. Ultimately, Europe will give its power and strength to the beast, just as the Bible says. But first, she will have to consolidate the economy and politics, and the struggle is intense. Few nations want to give up their sovereignty, but on the other hand, their survival depends on it. This is the nature of the economic crisis in Europe. It was brilliantly designed to force such a dilemma on the nations so that they will yield their independence and come under a regional government aligned with the Vatican. Sovereignty is only a legitimate demand if one is prepared to go down alone, wrote one German paper, the Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung. In other words, if Spain, or any other nation for that matter, is going to be part of Europe, she had to accept assistance and give up her sovereignty. Those who don't give up their sovereignty are threatened with having to fend for themselves. That's even more terrifying to national politicians than the austerity measures imposed on nations that get the bailouts. Europe's consolidation and centralization of power is an essential prerequisite for globalists to realize their goals. After all, it has the seat of the Vatican. Europe is the papal garden. Europe and the papacy have a major role to play in the future globalized world. Integration of Europe's diverse politics and economies is no small task. It's a very important and large task, but it must happen. That's why Germany is working hard to force the other European nations to accept her dictates in order to solve the economic pain. The Vatican and Germany are working together to strengthen the central power of the European state, and they have been at it a long time. And there is a lot of continuity from generation to generation in the plan to resurrect the Holy Roman Empire. At the very time when many are predicting the end of the euro, the leaders of the new Europe are determined to keep the euro and promote greater political integration under the central powers in Brussels. At the very time when many are saying that the European experiment is about to collapse, leaders of Germany and France the two largest economies and the two most powerful nations, along with the Vatican, are plotting the next steps toward further integration. Friends, the European economic crisis is a plot designed to give internationalists, as globalists are often called, the opportunity to do their dirty deeds while the people watch anxiously on the sidelines, hoping they have the solution to the crisis. They have the solution, all right, and it is a solution that fulfills their goals in creating the crisis in the first place. To take away personal freedom as well as national self-determination and force the nations to surrender their sovereignty to international organizations. In the meantime, they are stripping the middle class out of European society, which will return Europe to the conditions similar to what they were in the Middle Ages when the Vatican ruled the empire. This is all part of the globalization plan to unite all the corrupt powers of the world in a gigantic and final attempt to overthrow the law of Jehovah. During the first 40 years after the Second World War, Germany was divided between East and West. During the time of communism in Eastern Europe, Germany was weak. But the Vatican knew history very well. 
Vatican insiders knew that when Germany is united, she dominates Europe. They knew that in order to get control of Europe, they had to do something to restore Germany to its ancient position of power in Europe. They knew that they had to be the orchestrators of a reunited Germany so that she would then assist the papacy in establishing her power over Europe. The Vatican also knew that her best ally in recovering Germany would be the United States. So, the Vatican set up a network of communication with the United States during the Carter administration. The Vatican and the CIA exchanged information weekly. Eventually, John Paul II collaborated with Ronald Reagan and the Roman Catholic Solidarity Movement in Poland to force the collapse of the Polish Communist government, knowing that the rest of the Eastern European Communist governments would also collapse, like dominoes, including East Germany. And this led to the end of German separation in 1989 and the reunification of Germany in 1991. Today, Germany has largely fulfilled the expectations of the Vatican and anyone else who saw what was going on. She has become the dictator of Europe in many ways. But instead of managing her power in the best interest of the people, Germany has ruled Europe through the EU institutions in Brussels. The European Union has become the front for German power and imperial ambitions. Germany has demanded severe austerity measures from countries needing a financial bailout. Far from dismantling the EU, she has insisted that instead Europe needs more integration of its politics and economy. European leaders want a federalized Europe. For instance, Germany's Chancellor Angela Merkel recently said that the European Union needs more union. We do not just need a currency union, but also a so-called fiscal union, more common budget policy, she said. That means in the future we will also have to hand over competencies to Europe step by step and give Europe opportunities to control, she said. But Germany's rise to power was only part of the process. Germany is now being used to consolidate Europe in ways never imagined by most of its citizens. In fact, whatever happens in Brussels is first approved by Germany. If Germany doesn't go along with EU proposals, they don't happen. Germany's control of the EU has become so blatant that it is Germany that makes most, if not all, of the proposals. That means that whatever power Brussels has, it is Germany's power working through the European Union. And the economic crisis is greatly facilitating globalist plans. We need more Europe, not less, especially in the Eurozone, said Merkel. This means that EU institutions, the EU Commission included, should be granted more possibilities to control. Otherwise, it would be impossible for a currency union to work, she said. She also said that a smaller group of nations would go it alone. We should not stay still because one or other does not want to join in. In other words, Germany is insisting that the nations need to give up their sovereignty to Brussels, which also means giving Germany more power, or they would have to be uh, cut loose and go on their own, or they would not be included in Europe's common destiny. All the nations know that getting out of the EU, and especially out of the Eurozone, would be disastrous. 
Reuters also reported that the Chancellor is making plans for a centralized Euro finance ministry, as well as facilities designed to control labor policy, social security, and taxation across the Eurozone. Merkel, Monti, and other European leaders intend to greatly strengthen the European Commission, European Parliament, and the European Court of Justice. In spite of a bevy of prognosticators predicting the breakup of the euro and even the European Union, it isn't going to happen. The crisis was designed to push Europe into ever greater integration. Reuters also stated that until states agree to these steps and the unprecedented loss of sovereignty they involve, the officials say Berlin will refuse to consider other initiatives like joint eurozone bonds or a banking union with cross-border deposit guarantee. These leaders are only using the euro crisis as a tool to demand more integration. Many of the power brokers in the EU talk about Greece leaving the euro, but they're not really thinking about that seriously. Greece would not survive on a discredited drachma. These Eurocrats will not let Greece leave the euro. After all, that is against every one of their globalist principles. It is opposed to every plan they have ever introduced. Throwing Greece out of the eurozone would mean losing control of one of the nations in their grip. Why would they want to do that? The Vatican doesn't want that either. And they are trying to pressurize the situation by scare tactics. One German magazine wrote, The fear was that if Greece leaves the euro, there would be new shockwaves. And while that is certainly true, EU leaders are trying to pressure Greece into adopting the austerity demands of the Germans by trumpeting the dire consequences of Greece leaving the euro. Meanwhile, European leaders are considering renegotiating the austerity measures for Greece in a move aimed at keeping Greece in the euro by boosting support for pro-austerity parties in the June 17 election. Easing up on austerity demands would make those politicians look more moderate within their own electorate. But the real reason is to keep Greece in the euro. The June 17 election in Greece narrowly kept a pro-European Union political party in power. Talking about Italy's debt problems, Prime Minister Mario Monti recently said, There is a permanent risk of contagion. That is why strengthening the Eurozone is of collective interest. This is the language of fear, my friends. In other words, Europe has to unite more closely to resolve the individual nation's debt problems. Roman Catholic Monti, a leading member of the secretive Bilderberg Group, is one of those Eurocrats whose goal is to federalize Europe under the principles of the Holy Roman Empire. Euro leaders are not planning on implementing these new measures all at once. Gradualism is the hallmark of globalism. I don't believe that there will be one single summit that will decide the big throw, Angela Merkel said. Then the British Express published an article in which it claimed that senior EU leaders were secretly planning to merge the European Commission with the European Council and create one superbody with a single person at the head of it all. Here's what they wrote. A covert group of EU foreign ministers has drawn up plans for merging the jobs currently done by Herman Van Rompuy, President of the European Council, and José Manuel Barroso, President of the European Commission. 
The new bureaucrat, who would not be directly elected by voters, is set to get sweeping control over the entire EU and force member countries into ever greater political and economic union. Tellingly, the UK has been excluded from the confidential discussions within the shady Berlin group of Europhil politicians spearheaded by German Foreign Minister Guido Westerwelle. The citizens of Europe would not democratically vote this new leader of Europe into office. Insiders, whose key interest is in resurrecting the Holy Roman Empire, would appoint him. In other words, they are working together to organize a regional dictator who would oversee everything in Europe. He would be like the president of Europe with enormous power. This would not be limited federal government. The agenda that these globalists have in mind is complete control over everything, and they are working hard to accomplish it. The Express continued, Opponents fear the plan would create a modern-day equivalent of the European emperor envisaged by Napoleon Bonaparte, or a return to the Holy Roman Empire of Charlemagne that dominated Europe in the Dark Ages. Paul Nuttall, a UK member of the European Parliament, said, This is truly a ridiculous idea that must never be allowed to happen. It sounds as if they're trying to go back to the days of the Holy Roman Empire. Paul Nuttall is actually speaking of the real intention, not just an inadvertent matter. Recreating the Holy Roman Empire is exactly what they are intending to do, and every action they take is moving Europe in that direction. Keep the Faith Ministry has been saying for many years that the European Union is, in reality, a restoration of the papal power over Europe. It has not been an easy process. Rome has been active behind the scenes, but she also waits on the sidelines while the leaders in Brussels battle out the centralization of the political and economic order. Rome always lets others do her heavy lifting. Once that is completed, Rome can move into position. If she were to do it too soon, she might lose the opportunity. The British Express article pointed out that the secret group wants Britain excluded from the EU. Britain has had a thorny relationship with the EU. Britain has opposed many proposals that were not in Britain's interests. And while Britain doesn't want to leave the EU, she wants to be given freedom to manage her own affairs. But this secret cabal of Euro leaders act as if they want Britain kicked out of the European Union altogether, or at least marginalize Britain and her opposing influence. I suspect that they really just want to pressure Britain to come into line with their plans. It is similar to the way they have threatened Greece with being kicked out of the Eurozone, while at the same time working to keep it in. So they are making Britain defend herself to stay in and thereby compel her to comply. Restoring the Holy Roman Empire is a foregone conclusion. It cannot be halted. It is only a matter of time until it reaches its full potential. After all, the Bible has prophesied it. The economic crisis is the key to understanding Europe. But you have to understand it with a prophetic eye. The only way to force further integration on Europe is to have an economic crisis in which leaders declare that further political and economic integration is the only answer. It is as circular as it can get, but it is a powerful play. Listen to what some of the political leaders of Britain had to say about the secret plans of the Berlin Group, as these European plotters are called. 
Tory Foreign Office Minister Lord Howell of Guilford said, While the UK is not part of that group, we understand that one idea under discussion is a merger of the positions of President of the European Council and President of the European Commission. Then he added, A merger of the two presidencies would create a potential conflict of interest, undermine the quality of the EU's decision-making processes, and upset the institutional balance within the EU. Wonder of wonders! Does he really think that the planners of the EU are really interested in the balance of power? He is in essence saying that Europe is moving toward a dictatorship. And he is absolutely right. Not only that, it should also be noted that it would be a German dictatorship working through EU institutions. Even more, it would probably be a Roman Catholic dictator with connections to the Bilderberg Group, the Jesuits, and other key secret societies. But until it happens, we won't know for sure. Lord Stoddart said, These sorts of informal discussions within the EU have a habit of rapidly being transferred into formal proposals. Such a merger would represent a massive shift of power into the hands of a single, unelected bureaucrat. And then he added, The holder of this new office would be both Europe's political and administrative leader, giving them far more powers than those given to the U.S. president. With the election of the new French president, François Hollande, who is an opponent of German-imposed austerity measures on Europe, the secret planners in Berlin have determined to form a German-Italian alliance, which will push France out of the inner circle of the European political influence. But more importantly, an alliance with Italy will put Germany in league with the Vatican and its global influence and power. This is a very shrewd move on the part of Germany. Working with the Vatican would certainly open up doors of opportunity that France would not provide. Hollande, by the way, was raised Catholic, but he left Catholicism and is now an agnostic, making him less able to assist Rome's ambitions. His open hostility to the German political machine makes him unappealing to those who wish to resurrect the Holy Roman Empire. No wonder Germany, and presumably the Vatican, would want to realign the political order of Europe and make it more Vatican-friendly. That's the way it was in the Middle Ages, by the way. You may remember that France is one of the opponents of papal dominance. It has been that way since the French Revolution and the Wars of Napoleon. Rome knows that with France in the inner circle, her ambitions will be restricted and somewhat limited. But with Germany in an alliance with Italy, Rome will more likely have much more say in the future of Europe. Meanwhile, the European Central Bank has also endorsed the idea of a banking union, which would involve all of Europe's central banks. This banking union would consolidate the banking in the Eurozone under one entity. The 135-page proposal discussed a wide range of risks, but did not even discuss the risk most on investors' minds of Greece leaving the Eurozone. Friends, they aren't planning on decreasing the size of the Eurozone at all. This new banking cabal would be given control over the economy and would certainly have its headquarters at the ECB in Germany. All of this is leading the world toward the fulfillment of the prophecy of Daniel 11, verse 20 to 21, 
Once the European kingdom or empire is established again, the Bible tells us what will happen. Then shall stand up in his estate a raiser of taxes in the glory of the kingdom. But within few days he shall be destroyed, neither in anger nor in battle. And in his estate shall stand up a vile person, to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom. But he shall come in peaceably, and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Raising taxes would be excused on the basis that the economic crisis demands more state revenues. This will happen at the very time when the new empire has risen to its position of glory. But this renewed centralization of power will not last in the hands of the Eurocrats or a secular dictator for very long. In a few prophetic days or a few years, they will lose control of it and the Vatican will step in and take its place as the master of Europe. This will happen not by military conquest or by political confrontation, but the papacy will gain control by flatteries. Europe is no stranger to dictators. Without thinking about it, you would certainly be aware of some examples. Let us work backwards in history. Hitler, a recent dictator of Germany, led Europe into World War II. Hitler was attempting to bring Europe together under one central German government through military conquest. Germany was united and strong. But Hitler's military conquest was not successful. Bible prophecy was against Hitler's plan. Hitler was trying to, to unite Europe without the papacy, and the papacy was against him. There are those who think that the papacy was in league with Hitler, and in some ways there is certainly some evidence of cooperation, and perhaps out of necessity or for whatever motives and reasons that Rome might have. But Hitler's plan fundamentally did not overtly include the Vatican. Hitler also could not have succeeded because he was not working by flatteries. He was working by murder and bloodshed. The German Kaiser before World War I was also a dictator. Germany was united and powerful. Again, his dictatorship led to war and bloodshed. But there was yet an earlier dictator that did much more to fulfill prophecy than all of these other dictators. The Bible predicted that there would be a 1260-year period of persecution that would come against those who remained loyal to God. Revelation 12.13 says that the dragon persecuted the woman, or God's true church. And in verse 14, the scripture says that the woman fled into the wilderness. In other words, the true church had to go into hiding. And she was there for a time, times, and the dividing of a time, or 1260 years. This is a clear prophecy of papal supremacy during the Middle Ages. That papal supremacy was greatly facilitated by several dictators, including Justinian in the 6th century, and especially by Charlemagne, or Charles the Great, in the late 8th and early 9th centuries. Both Justinian and Charlemagne openly supported the papacy. They helped the papacy to grow and flourish. And no modern dictator or dictatorship in Europe today can succeed without openly supporting the papacy. Charlemagne united Europe around a common currency and a common religion, and he did it through bloodshed. He enforced the papal religion on the empire. And because he was so militarily successful, and because of his support for the papacy, Charlemagne was crowned emperor by Pope Leo III. 
though Charlemagne was king of the Franks, he brought Germany into the Union, and Germany became the dominant power, as is always the case when Germany is united. This meant that the league between Germany and the papacy would always play a role in European events. Now in the new European superstate, Germany is again the big player, largely because Germany controls the money and the economy, but also because Germany supports the papacy. Germany has the strongest and largest economy in Europe. Germany also controls the common currency, the euro. The European Central Bank is located in Frankfurt, but it also has the largest population and geographical area. Germany has everything going for it. Bible prophecy concerning the last days is going to be fulfilled. History repeats itself. Just like in the days of Charlemagne, Germany is constructing the same kind of empire that the popes ruled in the Middle Ages when God's church fled into the wilderness. Do you think that persecution of God's faithful Sabbath keepers will happen again? Germany, through its secret Berlin group, is already planning to resurrect a dictatorship again with a single person over all of Europe, who will be given great power and authority, but will also have a strong loyalty to the Pope. When European leaders talk about Charlemagne, they are talking about the Holy Roman Empire. Make no mistake about it, they are working to restore papal power and policy to all of Europe. Without Charlemagne, there would have been no divine right of kings, no inquisition, and many other Roman Catholic principles would not have existed. Angela Merkel is so strong today because she supports the papacy, and the papacy supports her. Any German leader in her position as chancellor, and working so hard to unite Europe under the Charlemagne model, would have strong papal support. As the EU is being constructed and matured in the name and on the principles of Charlemagne, you can also be sure that Rome will eventually resurrect its former policies and its former persecutions. The European Union is a front that covers German ambitions, for Germany is in control of the European Union, and like Charlemagne had to wade through a sea of blood in order to establish himself as the ruler of Europe and to establish the Roman Catholic religion as the faith of Europe, so in the near future watch for there to be more bloodshed to restore the Holy Roman Empire, which only exists to resurrect Rome's religion in the empire. The now-deceased Otto von Habsburg, the last reigning monarch of the Habsburg dynasty, which kept the Vatican in control of Europe for centuries, once said, We possess a European symbol, which belongs to all nations in Europe equally. This is the crown of the Holy Roman Empire, which embodies the tradition of Charlemagne. The citizens of Europe are politically moving to the right. Just read the news about Hungary, Poland, Germany's neo-Nazi groups, French antagonism to Muslim people, etc. Across a wide swath of Europe, there is a rightward trend in political beliefs and a growing body of increasing rightward-leaning legal policies and practices. Europe and Germany in particular have a history of falling for dictators, and it has been going on for centuries. The papacy flourishes in this type of environment. For once the dictators are supporting the papacy, she can work her will through them. Already European leaders are strongly backing the papacy. 
So expect that once the dictator or dictator has complete control, the Vatican and the Pope will become much more open about their agenda. The fact that the EU is a cloak that conceals German ambitions does not change the fact that the EU and Germany are really a cloak that conceals Rome's ambitions. It is quite an elaborate plan with multiple levels. Friends, the financial crisis of the Eurozone threatens to undermine the financial stability of the whole world. But world leaders are determined not to waste this man-made crisis to achieve some of their key international goals. The developments in Europe reveal that the way Europe's leaders are handling the financial crisis is moving the world much, much closer to the prophetic model of the end times described in the Bible. It is possible that this crisis could precipitate the cascade of end-time events and change your circumstances very quickly. Therefore, it's very important that you make sure that you are learning to live with Christ in your heart at all times. You cannot be an overcomer unless you are fully surrendered on every point to His grand moral law. Your destiny depends on your loyalty. Now is the time to get into practice. Now is the time to build your relationship with Christ so that in every temptation you have a way of escape. Jesus promises that there hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. That's 1 Corinthians 10.13. I pray, my friends, that you are taking advantage of the power of Christ. God bless you. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for promising to provide a way of escape in every temptation so that we may be able to bear the many temptations that Satan brings to us. Thank you for the promise that you will sustain your people in a time of trouble. Now as we consider the signs of the times, we pray that you will teach us how to think and act like Jesus. Teach us how to live by faith and in the principles that you have given us in your word. Please put your Holy Spirit in us, that we may see and resist every temptation of the devil. We know that you cannot finish your work in the heavenly sanctuary until you have a people that are so controlled by your Spirit that they would rather die than sin even once. Make us that kind of person, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. There are millions in the 
this world who are craving the pleasure earthly things afford, but none can match the wondrous treasure that I find in Jesus Christ, my Lord. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole. So my children, if the things this world gave you leave hungers that won't pass away, my blessed Lord will come and save you If you kneel to Him and humbly pray Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord Come and quench this thirsting of my soul hope you've been greatly blessed by this month's message. Your prayers and gifts mean much to us. Thank you for your support. The music you have just heard is called Fill My Cup, Lord. 
sung by Christian Berdahl. It is recorded on a CD with other beautiful hymns called Consecration. This beautiful CD is available from Keep the Faith Ministry.